Romans 6, 1 through 14. We read here God's word. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. We now turn to Ephesians four seventeen through 32. Ephesians four seventeen through 32. Now, this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity, That is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness." Therefore, having put, put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up 
as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. We turn now to the Canons of Dort, chapter 4, article 12. We find that on page 578 of our Book of Praise. Page 578, we're reading this because it relates to Lord's Day 33. Regeneration is the work of God alone. This conversion is the regeneration, the new creation, the raising from the dead, the making alive so highly spoken of in the scriptures, which God works in us without us. But this regeneration is by no means brought about only by outward teaching, by moral persuasion, or by such a mode of operation that after God has done his part, it remains in the power of man to be regenerated or not regenerated, converted or not converted. It is, however, clearly a supernatural, most powerful, and at the same time most delightful, marvelous, mysterious, and inexpressible work. According to the scripture, inspired by the author of this work, regeneration is not inferior in power to creation or the raising of the dead. Hence, all those in whose hearts God works in this amazing way are certainly, unfailingly, and effectually regenerated and do actually believe. And then the will so renewed is not only acted upon and moved by God, but acted upon by God, the will itself also acts. Therefore, man himself is rightly said to believe and repent through the grace he has received. Let's sing together Psalm 51, stanzas 2, 4, and 6. And this psalm is speaking about the conversion and the repentance that's under discussion this afternoon.
Let's turn to Lord's Day 33 of our Heidelberg Catechism. You find that on page 549 of the Book of Praise. What is the true repentance or conversion of man? It is the dying of the old nature and the coming to life of the new. What is the dying of the old nature? It is to grieve with heartfelt sorrow that we have offended God by our sin and more and more to hate it and flee from it. What is the coming to life of the new nature? It is a heartfelt joy in God through Christ and a love and delight to live according to the will of God in all good works. But what are good works? Only those which are done out of true faith in accordance with the law of God and to his glory, and not those based on our own precepts, our own opinion, or the precepts of men. After the sermon, let's sing together hymn 48, all stanzas. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, during Jesus' public ministry, he performed a lot of miracles. In fact, I would imagine that by the time Jesus Christ died on the cross, there would be hardly any seriously ill people lived in Israel. I mean, everybody knew that Jesus and his disciples could, could heal, and they brought the sick and the, the lame and so on by, by, the, by the hundreds. Amazing three years. All the sick, the ill, the lame, the leprous healed. But one of the greatest miracles that the Lord Jesus did was raising the dead. Uh, we think of John 11, the story of Lazarus. Lazarus had been dead, buried for four days. Jesus had opened the tomb. and shouted out, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus came out, alive and well, dead, buried for four days, now alive, miraculously so. In fact, we, we would have to agree that it's about the greatest miracle that you could possibly imagine. And of course, the joy for us is that we know one day we will, our bodies will all be raised up from the dead. And maybe you're thinking, well, why, why talk about this? Well, that's because our Lord's Day, speaking about repentance and conversion, describes it in this way. It is the dying of the old nature and the coming to life of the new. This is biblical language. You can check the footnotes. One of them is Romans 6, which we read together. And, and there Paul describes this turning away from sin uh, by uh, as the as that we were buried with him, therefore, by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we might walk in newness of life. Now, you might say, you, you, you can't compare that to actually raising somebody up from the grave. Who says? Is that so? You know, when Jesus met Nicodemus in John 3, he said to, said to him, unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. And then uh, you can hear the, the stunned voice of Nicodemus saying, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? You see what Nicodemus is saying. He's saying, Jesus, you telling me, 
I have to turn away from my life of sin and completely change around and, and live perfectly to the praise and the glory of God, well, why don't you just ask me to, to get back in my mother's womb and be born all over again? Because it's not going to happen. It is not possible for a, a sinner to change so dramatically. That's a good point. Excellent, Nicodemus, on you for drawing that conclusion. But that's why our Canons of Dort in chapter 4, article 12, says about this repentance that according to Scripture inspired by the author of this work, regeneration is not inferior in power to creation or the raising of the dead. We all agree that to, raise, to rise from the dead is a supernatural miracle. It's, uh, it's like creation itself. Well, in the same way, for us to be born again, to repent, and to be converted is a supernatural miracle. It doesn't happen. can't happen, except by the grace of God alone. So this afternoon, we're going to look at the dying of the old nature and the coming to life of the new, but not in some mechanical way as if this is a theology class talking about something very emotional and we're going to look at it in a holistic way which means involving the whole person not just what you do and say but what's in your mind and what's in your heart it is this whole person that is being transformed as the the image of God and it's an ongoing process all our life long it is shall we say the rhythm of a life that's now in harmony with God. I mean, our, our feelings, our hopes, our fears, our dreams, our struggles, they're not clashing inside of us, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, it is aligned. As we look to our God, and we walk with our God, and we move away from darkness to light, and that's what we're going to look at this afternoon under this theme, Repentance or conversion is being crucified, buried, and raised up in Jesus Christ. Perhaps uh, one question that we might have is, is it really necessary as a Christian to turn away from sin and to turn to God wanting to be holy as he is holy? Well, the previous Lord's Day addresses that very clearly when it says in answer 86, because Christ having redeemed us by his blood also renews us by his Holy Spirit to be his image so that with our whole life we may show ourselves thankful to God for his benefits and he may be praised by us. So we see that the very purpose of Jesus Christ redeeming us in his blood is that he can also renew us by his Holy Spirit. So that in all the things that we think, say, and do, it is to the praise and the glory of God. And the next question goes and says, can those be saved who do not turn to God from their ungrateful and impenitent walk of life? And that, that turning to God, that's conversion, that's repentance. What our Lord's Day is saying is, if you don't have a living faith that really grieves for sin, who has this deep remorse 
and a longing more and more to take your life and give it up in praise and glory to God. If you don't have that, you're not in the kingdom of God. You don't have the Holy Spirit. You don't receive the blessings of the kingdom of God, such as the forgiveness of sins. Without this experience of repentance and conversion, we are not the children of God. Our Lord Jesus Christ said in John 14, verse 15, If you love me, yeah, that's, that's an important point, right? Do you love me, says Jesus? He says, because if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love Jesus, if he's your Lord and Savior, you don't sin. Or at least you're struggling against sin. And you are giving your life to him by obeying his law, by keeping his commandments. In fact, brothers and sisters, anyone who, who says, you know, I, I can turn to God and I can believe in Jesus without, you know, like totally turning away from a, a life of sin is the height of theological nonsense. The rhythm of a life in harmony with God is one that is moving away from sin, looking to the face of God and giving our lives to him. We see that our Lord's Day uses two words, repentance and conversion. They are synonyms. They mean uh, the same thing. Both words are found in the Bible, in our confessions, as we saw in the canons of Dort. The word repentance conversion means a radical changing of the whole person. And Paul describes that in Romans 6, verse 11. Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Same thing with Ephesians 4. Paul says, regarding your former manner of life, put off your old self, which is corrupt through deceitful desires, and put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So repentance, conversion, is a 180-degree change in your life. That was my journey at one time. And that journey was, was, was a journey deeper into darkness and deeper into sin. Repentance, conversion, is a 180-degree change, and I'm going in a new direction leaving behind sin. I'm, I'm weeping about my sin. And I want more and more to be holy as God is holy. It's, it is, as our Lord's Day says, truly a dying of the old nature and coming to life of the new. Now, we pointed out in our introduction that this dying of the old nature and coming to life of the new is, a, is radical. It's an it's incredible miracle. But you might wonder, why do we have to use such dramatic and dire language as dying, being buried, crucified with Christ, and rising up to a new life? Can't we put it a little nicer and a little more simple without sounding so dire and dramatic? All comes down to how well you know yourself and how well we understand human nature. Paul says in Ephesians 2, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among these, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of body and mind, 
and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Every human being is by nature inclined to hate God and our neighbor. Every human being by nature embraces Satan as father and Lord. Every human being by nature comes under the wrath of God against sin. And we know that's true. We know what evil human beings are capable of. The man after God's own heart, David, seduced a woman and murdered her husband to to keep her. Peter publicly denied his Lord. You and I, we bear grudges. We have resentment. We refuse to be reconciled to certain people. It's not just the world, but it's in the church and in our families and in our personal lives that we have this sin and this inclination to sin. And so it's, it's ridiculous to say, you know, all we really need is a, just a little bit of encouragement, a push in the right direction, and a, a realignment of our thinking and our priorities. Who's kidding whom? Something's got to give. Something's got to end. Something's got to die. That person I once was, it's got to die. It's got to be finished off. And a new person has to surface a person that loves God and walks in his ways. That can only happen by grace and through the work of the Holy Spirit. Who will take you on a journey to the cross of Golgotha? And spend some time there, okay? Spend some time and look at the man hanging there, bleeding and dying and screaming out and realize he's hanging there because of our sins. I should have been nailed to the cross. When I see that and I believe that, then the Spirit says, come. You die with Jesus, will bury the old Jew, and a new person will surface, a completely, radically new person who will give his life to the praise and the glory of God. We see, brothers and sisters, that we're talking here about a radical transformation of the whole person. And not just that we say, you know, oh, okay, i got to change my lifestyle. Of course we do. But it's a matter of, of how you think and how you feel, and what's going on in your heart. And a a powerful example of that would be uh, Matthew 19, where the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and and says to him, you know, I have kept all the commandments. I mean, what more do I have to do? And essentially what Jesus said to him is, well, all that's great, but I want your heart. I, I want your mind, your heart. I want... The real you, because then everything that's going to come out of that will truly be to my praise and glory, to the glory of God. And the young man couldn't do that, couldn't give his heart, couldn't totally give his life to Jesus. And he walked away, and as far as we know, he walked into eternal darkness. He refused that 180 degree change in his life that totally renounce the way of darkness, and walk in the new way of life. 
what may help us to understand that this conversion, repentance, is like the whole person, not just our actions, but our, our mind, our heart, and our thoughts, is to, to know that the Greek word in the Bible for repentance literally means to change your mind. That's what repentance and conversion is, above all else, that your mind changes. That, um, and, and of course, when your mind changes, then everything that comes out changes as well. You know, John said, of course, to, to people, John the Baptist, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when people did repent, and you saw that, they, they were weeping. I mean, tax collectors were sick to their stomach for the way that, that they used to live. And then John said, you know, when your mind and your heart changes, then he says, and now bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And it's also what we read together in Ephesians 4. Paul talks about the transformation of the mind because when your mind is right and in your mind you see Jesus, you know him, you love him, you adore him, then what comes out of the mind and the heart, our words and our deeds, will also be to the praise and the glory of God. So there's a, a very symbiotic relationship, and that, that means that, that it works together between what's inside and, and outside. And I would ask you the question, brothers and sisters, where is your heart? How do you feel about God? Do you love him? Do you adore him? Do you stand in awe of his holiness and shudder at the thought that you would do something to, to hurt God, to, to stain his holiness, and that you long more and more to know him, to love him, and walk in his ways. When your heart is filled with that feeling, that emotion, that, that faith, that desire, then what comes out will truly be to his praise and his glory. That is the holistic, one-of-a-kind transformation of a life from once I walked in sin and now I live my life to God's praise and glory. Our Lord's Day really has uh, attention for these details. For instance, uh, question answer 89 describes the dying of the old man. It is to grieve with heartfelt sorrow that we have offended God by our sin and more and more to hate it and flee from it. It's very emotional, deep with feeling. I grieve for, for my sinful thoughts and words and deeds. It makes me sick to my stomach. How I've hurt my God. I want to be free from that. And then, and then the coming to life of the new nature is a heartfelt joy in God through Christ and a love and delight to live according to the will of God in all good works. You notice again that very emotional language. Joy, love, delight. That, that's what it means to die to sin and rise up to a, a new obedience, that it is pure delight to serve God in, in all that we do. And that, uh, that's an important point to think about and, and emphasize. 
Because sometimes, and I've had it myself, you say, you know, when you become a Christian, you can't do the fun stuff anymore. Because, uh, you know, God says you can't do that, you can't do that. Things I enjoyed once upon a time, no longer allowed to do that. It's not always fun to be a Christian. You know, Christ came into my life, got to give up pornography. Christ comes into my life, I can't buy that case of beer on a Friday afternoon and drink it all in one night. I become a Christian and now I can't bear grudges and have resentment against people. As a Christian, I can't make money and material things the, the priority of my life. It's not always fun to be a Christian. Whoa! Wow! I think a bit more dying and coming to, a, to life is, is required here. Pornography is fun. The demeaning of women and a sure-fired way to, to harm your marriage or your future marriage. Getting drunk is fun. The next morning you wake up and realize the things you've said and done. And to live in resentment with someone. To refuse to be reconciled. To bear grudges. Is that the spice of life? Is that how we're going to live? You know, part of the dying of the old nature and coming to life of the new is a very emotional feeling transformation that you start to realize what the fun stuff really is. What, what is the joyful, delightful things? Oh, brothers and sisters, there's, there's nothing more beautiful than if you're in a relationship with a man or, or a woman that you love that person so, so deeply. There's no room for anyone else. And certainly pornography is, is obscene. The most beautiful thing in the world is to have a, a good and healthy relationship, whether that's as man and woman or, or getting along with your neighbor. How beautiful it is to deal with people. Maybe they've got a difference of opinion. Maybe you've had your arguments. But talk it through and forgive and live in peace and harmony with one another. That's beautiful. That's joyful. And if we don't see that right away, it's time to dig in Scripture a little bit deeper and get to know your God a lot better and find out that by, by turning to Him and wanting to be holy as He's holy is an absolute joy and delight in our daily living. So we're starting to realize more and more that this dying of the old nature and coming to life of the new really is, is all about the kind of relationship that we have with our God. It comes down to a, a true and living faith. You know, in the, the last question and answer of this Lord's Day, it asks about good works, and it says, good works are only the, those done out of true faith in accordance with the law of God and to His glory. The new life has to come out of faith. That rich young ruler, he didn't have faith. Oh, he, could, he could walk a fine line. It's moralism. It's not his heart. It's not faith. Our Lord Jesus Christ in Mark 1, after John the Baptist was arrested and Jesus started preaching, he says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repentance conversion, and faith go hand in hand. The reason we repent and change is that 
works in us by his grace and spirit, but it's when we have faith, then we have the passion and desire to be part of this beautiful process. We have this amazing God. We've got a father who loves us so much that he gave his son to die for us. Who doesn't want to know him and love him and walk with him? we got a Savior who took our sins on himself and died on the cross. I want to walk with him. I, I want Jesus in me and, and, and I in him to have that relationship with him. And I am so humbled by the Holy Spirit who has come to dwell in our hearts and make us the temple of the living God. I want to walk with him. I want to keep in step with him so that I don't grieve him but give my life to his praise and glory. The more we get to know our God, the triune God, the more we get to know him and see how amazing, how beautiful he is, the more we will want to take our whole life and give it as a sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise to him. We know that this repentance and conversion is the work of God's grace in us. And he continues to give us grace. He gives us the word. He gives us the power of prayer. He gives us office bearers. But we also need to understand that here is a call for action and for decision. Paul writes in Philippians 2, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You work out your salvation. We also saw that in the Canons of Dort, chapter 4, article 12, I mean, the canons of Dort are all about it's God's grace. It's all God's grace. But then at the end of the article, it says, and then the will, so renewed, is not only acted upon and moved by God, but acted upon by God, the will itself also acts. Therefore, man himself is rightly said to believe and repent through the grace he has received. Brothers and sisters, it's all God's grace. When he starts in us with his grace, he also says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We have a call to respond to what God calls us to do. And you know what? What would really be good for all of us is that at least once a day, we have a quiet moment, Bible reading, prayer, but also meditation. That I, say, that I say to myself, how's it going? How's it going? Are you in love with God? Is he always on your mind? Are you grieving when you sin? Do you long more and more to serve God in all that you think, say, and do? You know, we have to ask those questions. Am I grieving for sin? Am I li- living the life that I should as, as a child of God. And we need to pray about this. What we, what we also need to do is invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts. I know someone's going to say, that sounds a bit Ar- Arminian. I, of course, the Holy Spirit comes to us by grace, but there's also mysteries here. Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He also says in Galatians 5, walk with the Spirit, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Paul does not say, sit back, see what God, see what the Holy Spirit will do with you. You 
walk with the Spirit and you keep in step with Him. That means get to know Him. Get to know the Holy Spirit. He's a person, you know. I mean, we have a relationship with the Father. He's our Father. We have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's our Lord. He's even my brother. Who's the Spirit? He's a person. He's the one poured out on Pentecost. Get to know Him. Get to know this amazing Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Ask Him. Call upon Him to work in you. Invite Him to work more and more in your heart that this Holy Spirit will enable us, empower us more and more to radically turn away from our sins and give our life to the praise and the glory of God. It is the Spirit who will take us as the whole person and create a rhythm of a life that's in harmony with our God. You know, before we started this sermon, we sang together Psalm 51. And David is talking there about his what he did to Bathsheba and to her husband, Uriah. His sin has been exposed by the prophet Nathan, and David breaks down. He wants to confess his sin. What he did to Bathsheba was terrible. What he did to Uriah was almost unthinkable. But but then David says in verse 4, against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. That's the horror of sin. David sees it. When I sinned, I did it to you, God. Whenever we sin, we do it to God. We hurt His holiness. We hurt what He so passionately wants to see in His children. David says, I hurt you, God. He's weeping and he continues, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Restore to me the joy of salvation. I want joy in my life, says David, and the only way I can have real joy in a meaningful life is to be free from the power of sin and be led by the Holy Spirit in the pathways of righteousness, that I may be the man that God wants me to be, that that He created me to be on on day six of creation, and that I live my life to the praise and the glory of my God. And I'm on a journey. We all are, brothers and sisters. We're we're all on, on a journey. And what is your journey? What journey are we on? A journey that is 180 degrees away from sin to the praise and the glory of God, and a journey that one day, when the trumpet sounds, The Spirit will do His work and we will not be able to sin anymore. And everything we do will be to the praise and the glory of our God. Amen.